inviting you to come down here so that we can sort you out. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Translation of the, uh, the the main quote going around Argentina very this week. Very polite translation, I must yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, deliberately polite because we are, after all, a family podcast. Mm. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm here with English Dan. Hello. Australian Dan. G'day. And Argentine Seba. Is Dan their surnames? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, English is actually my first name, ah, and Dan is my ah, second. Now I get it. One year after. Yeah. Hello. How are you? And we're starting things off with. Well, with, with the discussion of that quote that I started with from Seba Veron, not Seba Garcia, who is here with us, which was directed at, uh, at a batter of rubber, um, because the main story of the weekend really is that Estudiantes versus Banfield on Monday night, which does now count as the weekend officially according to the AFA, uh, for the summer months at least, was called off 13 minutes in, with Banfield already 1-0 up, which shows you how dreadful Estudiantes are this season, due to a firecracker or two firecrackers or something being thrown, perhaps not directly at, but in the direction of Banfield's goalkeeper. Afterwards, Beron went round behind the goal to where Estudiantes uh, fans and, not fans, but Barra Brava, all were, along with, as well, uh, Mario Bosselli and Gaston Fernandes, yeah. and they were... Basically, they're on one of the things that they're on shouted at, at these guys was come down here and I'll kick the crap out of you yeah. uh, to to give it a slightly more accurate translation. I think the literal translation is I'll shit on you with punches, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. I think we should you know, try and be as literal yeah. as possible because yeah. I, yes. I wish we had the same phrase in English. So you're the brain behind Google Translate? <laughs> well, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, <laughs> it, it's another kind of incidence of, of violence rearing its ugly head here and Estudiantes Barra had apparently threatened that they were going to cause some trouble before the game quite why that was escapes my mind Related to them playing in Kilmes again? It's something to do now it's also I think they're pretty annoyed at how badly the team's doing obviously they were 1-0 down at that point as Sam said um, an ex-Estudiantes player even scored the goal Hernan Hernan Lopez yeah who actually was pretty pretty vital for them when they won the championship a year ago, if I remember. Mm. But I'm going off at a tangent, so they were yeah, so they were pretty annoyed at that. And I've also read as well there's kind of these internal battles in the Estudiantes Barra have kinda of fled up again. So it's got to do with that, I think. It's a lot, you know, showing who's got the power, who can stop a game, who can bring the most firecrackers, bombs, god knows what. As far as we're aware, completely unrelated, but coincidentally linked with the same game, a Banfield fan was a uh, fan, Barra Brava, hooligan, was, was shot in the head uh, after the game and, and died from his injuries as part of Banfield's internal power struggle in there, Barra Brava. But the, the, the main story is, is the Estudiantes thing, the fact that Veron has stood up to these people, he's been on the radio uh, minutes before we we came on air, let's say, before we started recording, saying that, um, that basically that it has to be wiped out, that, that he doesn't have anything to do with the batter at his club, unlike certain other influential players at other clubs who we might get on to, um, who we've already mentioned prior to starting to record. Um, Seba, you've been here for the longest, how many of us? <laughs> we've, we've only talked about it as well in the last couple of weeks, so it's kind of difficult to really know where to start without just repeating ourselves again. But why does this kind of stuff keep on happening when at a game that really should have been a fairly uneventful and dull one, given the two sides' form and everything? Well, uh, apparently the Barra didn't want didn't, didn't want it to be a dull game. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, um, now I heard that the estudiantes are not going to get uh, punished or are not going to get suspended or anything. Because they have always cooperated with the police force and the 
coprocede, which is an entity that they form to supposedly prevent these kind of things from happening. And, and <laughs> obviously, we have we have been seeing enough or, or a lot of violence going on uh, since like forever. And before the coprocede and after, it, it made really no difference. Um, but yeah, apparently, Estudiantes is one of those clubs that always cooperates and they 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 have a good uh, administration and they they're well, well behaved not 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 when it comes to the barra but i think the, the barra bravas are, are getting are getting more and more difficult to control in, in, in and we can i don't i don't know if you guys can see any way out of this or or any improvement but i i'm cert i'm, I'm certainly not uh, very optimistic about this. Well, Verun, Verun said a very similar thing to you. I, mean, I read an interview he did, I believe, just after the game yesterday. And he made the point, you know, it's not just in Argentina who's had trouble with hooligans, Barra, Inchada, Utras, whatever you want to call them, you know. Because this is a guy who's played in Italy where in the past and mm. to a certain point now they've had real problems with these organised fans and obviously played in England where in kind of the 80s and Earlier they had lots of problems with crowd violence and things like that. And he was saying, you know, if these countries can eradicate this problem, why can't Argentina? And I think it's a fair point. There's nothing mm -hmm. about this country which means they can't do it. Apart from, of course, we've mentioned time after time after time the links these, pe these mm -hmm. people have with the clubs. But there must be a way to kind of get it because this is a problem that's been in football almost as long as football has existed. And yeah. the countries have, who have really tried to eradicate it and come up with ways to do it. I'm not saying the violence has completely disappeared from these countries, but it's a lot more low-key than, you know, spending a game after 13 minutes. It just shouldn't happen, really. Mm. Yeah, and then also we had a we had a few questions from listeners and, and followers on Twitter, and one of them was about this, and it was from our friend Paraguay, Ralph, uh, who was here a couple of weeks ago. And he asked what could be the consequences for for the player, for Sebastián Verón, for facing up mm. or, or for challenging the Barabravas. Because the thing he wanted was for the Barabravas to get down from the from from the fence, yeah. because the referee will will go uh, will tell the captains, okay, if the if the fans are still hanging from the fence, I cannot continue the game. So you have to make sure they. We've seen them. We've seen fans doing this many, many times, and I've seen some players going to talk to their to their home fans, yeah. to their own fans, trying to calm them down. Uh, but none of them have been as confrontational and as uh, um, articulate, articulate yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, in, yeah. in the things he said. Yeah, basically, the first thing he said was, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And then he said, "Like." Come down, meet me outside, and yeah, he said, I'll personally wait for you outside and beat the hell out of you. Um, and he was using like the, the, the slang you use in the, yeah. in the, in the in territory. Yeah. Um, but I think the consequences for him, honestly, I don't see, I don't see any any consequences like of him being in danger. Yeah, I think we made the point just before we started recording that he's almost the only player we can think of in Argentina who can get away with going to the Barra, especially one like Estudiantes, which has got a real reputation for you know not pulling any punches either between each other or between other clubs. He's probably the only player we can think of that could go up directly, say he's going to beat the hell out of the Barra, and walk away with you know still being an idol. Yeah, because at the same time he was talking to these hooligans, you could see from one of the cameras, uh, from from one of the angles, that the the other sections where where they had the proper fans, mm -hmm. the common fans, they were all singing and supporting Verón. Yeah. And the Barabras know that for for it doesn't matter how powerful they can be or how dangerous mm -hmm. they can be. It, it's I don't think it's advisable for them <coughs> to have the entire set of fans no. and peaceful fans that could revolt against them and. Because yeah, a lot of the, yeah, let's let's um, be sincere. A lot of the normal fans who aren't in the barra 
all the same aren't exactly the kind of people you want to you want to meet in a dark alley. <laughs> well, there were even scuffles <laughs> making out in the in the popular like after after those incidents. You yeah. saw like guys pushing and shoving and stuff. So there's obviously even in the in the popular there wasn't 100 percent support of whoever threw that stuff on them. And I think Veron even made the point that in the end it came down to kind of 20 idiots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is for the benefit of, of listeners wondering what the, the laughter is for. We just had a bit of a crisis because the batteries ran out almost immediately after Dan finished talking. Um, no, power went out in the studio as well. Yes, that's, that's precisely what happened. Power cuts happen. But anyway, we're going to try and uh, keep going. We hope that we can remember correctly what he was saying about 20 minutes ago when we stopped yeah. recording. And we're going to press on because there's really not very much more to add anyway on the subject of Barra Bravas. I think Dan summed it up fairly nicely with the word moron. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only word any of us can remember me saying. So. <laughs> yeah. it, that is, uh, and uh, with that, we'll try and bring matters back to the on-the-pitch stuff, which is what we, after all, like to try and kid ourselves Argentine football is really about at times. Um, it sometimes feels as if we are kidding ourselves on that, but anyway. And with that, we're going to move on to another off-pitch controversy. Yeah. Yes, we are. Not allowed to talk about on the pitch. On the pitch, we really that. can't not talk about the big top of the table clash. But we're moving from the bottom of the Apertura clash between Estudiantes and Banfield, um, second bottom versus bottom, to first versus second, and the probably still. Although still not yet confirmed, incoming champions Boca Juniors versus Racing. Before we talk about the game, uh, I think Dan should tell the story about his his day out at the game because it was quite interesting. Really. It was yeah, it was quite an entertaining day. I mean, tickets were pretty hard to come by. I managed to get one, but a lot of the people who I usually go with didn't, so I didn't have my uh, my usual transport to the ground. So basically, what I did was head to um, Avicenna, like the headquarters of the club in Avicenna. But there was about 200 guys there kind of doing that's what they do before games, drinking and whatnot. And from there we decided, you know, it would be a great idea. When we walked from uh, Abashaneda to La Boca, which in geographical terms is not that far, but you kind of have to do a, a big, old, big old loop around not particularly salubrious barriers. And then... Walk right across, right along the shoreline of the Rio Chuelo, which is a, a lovely, lovely nature spot. If highly, any, highly aromatic, highly aromatic. Yeah, if anyone's coming to careful what you say, that's yeah. my hometown. That, that, that's <laughs> La Boca. No, I'm talking about on the no. La Boca side. No, I'm it's fine. Yeah, all right. I was, I, I was going to say you're defending La Boca. No, I'm not. Nah. I was on the good side of yeah. the river. I was saying, yeah. if anyone's coming to Buenos Aires, I yeah, would just swim in the river yeah. as a child. No, but my granddad did, Ooh. and I've seen pictures, and it was amazing. It was an amazing place, but yeah. now it's, it's all contaminated. It's, it's terrible. And yeah. yeah, but one one curious bit of uh, trivia uh, for listeners: Boca's ground and Racing's ground are, are actually closer than Boca and River, mm. and there is a big, big rivalry between Racing and Boca, and but it's this. Easier and, and a shorter trip if you want to go from Avellaneda to La Boca than yeah. well, you can Nunez. Yeah, you want to walk from the point La Boca to Nunez. Yeah. A, a lot of people, even if not been to Buenos Aires, will probably be aware that River and Boca play on different sides of the city. Although yeah. they may not be aware that River were actually founded in La Boca as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but uh, it's apart from just being closer, Rivers, uh, sorry, Boca's and and Racing's ground, and also Boca and, and Huracan, yeah. very very close yeah. together yeah. indeed. Yeah. Like you can you, you can see both. Huracan Stadium and La Bombonera from the bus if you head down from the city centre down to Ra- down to see Racing or Independiente that's how close they all are yeah, yeah. If, you, if you know what you're looking for yeah, yeah. and this this fixture Boca Racing have a, it was for a number of years it still is considered as one of the most dangerous games to attend and, and there were a couple of episodes that ended up with uh, fans dying and, and everything in the 80s and, and especially at La Bombonera I remember I was I was five, and I was in one of the lateral plateas. I was next to the the, the sideline, and I remember it was amusing f- to see all those lights going from one end to, of the ground to the other. Mm. But then, growing up, or, or later on, I found out that they were actually flares, as in nautical flare, flares, as the ones you use. Big uh, fire across the stadium. 
Yeah, they will fire from the Boca stand to the away, into the away end. Some of them will go over the third tier and into the street. I don't know where they where they went. And, and uh, unfortunately, one of those landed right in the throat uh, of one of the Racing fans and he killed him. And ever uh, ever since that day, in the early 80s, uh, Racing and Boca has been one of the most would dangerous pictures. Yeah. I think it's probably not the case for Boca, but for Racing definitely after Independiente. Mm. Boca's probably their, their biggest rivalry, the kind of most vicious rivalry you'd yeah. say. And yeah. so yeah, that was, it was all good fun, you know, really nice um, Sunday afternoon, walking along the Rio Tuelo, always wondering if there was uh, ambush or Boca fans waiting. Probably that trip won't get into any guidebook anytime soon, for people going to La Boca, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was a nice enough day out. And then yeah. And then the match itself, um, talk us through the reaction from the, the Racing away stand when uh, when those two red cards got shown because they finished nil all yeah it finished nil nil and two nil to Racing yeah really in terms of in terms of the red cards yeah Uh, Agostin Pelletieri got sent off for a second bookable offence and then well I think it was correct yeah yeah. both bookings were well I'm sure all of you guys saw much more of the game than me I was kind of battling pulling away banners and flags and God knows what to get a kind of little glimpse of the Firing flares across at the <laughs> Well, I saw plenty of that. Well, Seb, as Seb was just saying, there weren't flares. There were kind of these little uh, firework sticks that people have, and every time one of them was uh, expended, shall we say, it went straight down onto the Boca fans below. So yeah, it happens. It, this still happens. And yeah, and then the second red card is probably what's electrified the Argentine media in the last few days and got everyone talking. Was a uh, Teo Gutierrez. He broke through and appeared from where I was standing to have been tripped by uh, Facundo Roca- Roncaglia. Very much so, from yeah. the, the neutral point of view here. Uh, you, you would agree from a neutral point of view yeah, it's a penalty? I it was a penalty all day Excellent. I, mean, I, I would agree from a Racing yeah. fan point of view. I would agree too, yeah. Watching on TV. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. I, I but, said at the time that it was definitely a penalty and having watched a lot of replays I would say it was 70% a penalty. Yeah. So it could, it, like, not impossible that the referee would would uh, right. decide not because it was kind of a, a tackle from behind just as he entered the area yeah. and uh, kind of hit, he probably hit his clipped his legs just before he got to the ball and then he sort of tripped over and crashed into the keeper so he couldn't really it was all very fast and I think the key was that Teo was first to the ball yeah. and nobody else touched it in that in that action and the other thing that would made me give a penalty if I was if I was the ref was that Roncaglia never even tried to take, no. to, to get to the ball he just Went there, put his body there, tried mm-hmm. to stop Teo, and hit him just slightly. Because if not, Teo was, was clean through, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He had no reason, particularly. We know Teo's often fairly easy to floor. Yeah, he doesn't stay on his feet too much, but in a way, that's all kind of pounding. You know, everyone's kind of forgotten about the actual event because what happened after was yeah. the penalty wasn't given, and Teo was absolutely furious. He's, and basically got up and insulted the ref, squared up to him even. Spat at him, I heard. Spat. Oh, you heard spat? Very, like, very possibly. No, we've all got grins on our faces because this was one of the things that was going around Twitter and around the media was that Dale had spat at the referee and it wasn't uh, he didn't at any point. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you say, if you see, there's a one photo that looks like... Well, he... Spit yeah. does come out of his mouth and probably landed on the referee, but what happened was he ran up and said, come on, like... Puto or something I, I like think, that. It was more kind of frothing at the mouth with yeah, a cool, rabid exactly. rage, and as he was speaking, this these flecks of spittle went on the record. It was straight spittle, and it wasn't yeah, intentionally projectile. I think that the, the Spanish word was pitada, which means blow for blow for it, like yeah. call, uh, give the penalty. But you wouldn't say that if you were Argentine. He's is the way they say it in Colombia, yeah, pitada, uh, which sounds really, really similar to the surname of the. <laughs> Yeah. of the referee Pitana yeah. and also to the Italian word Putana yeah. <laughs> and Funny some will say that yeah. the ref is a son of a Putana <laughs> but he's a son of Pitana Mr. Pitana of course his father. And <laughs> so basically what he did is he got straight up ran straight at the referee the referee sort of put his arm up to protect himself and Teo ran straight into it with his chest and shouting abuse yeah. at that guy so he was second yellow card I think it could have been a straight red for yeah. that kind of behaviour yeah. I think it was yeah, uh, yeah the, the commentators thought it was a straight red even though mm. 
even whilst the referee was getting out the yellow card, the commentators were going, oh, he's straight off, it's a straight red card. And then they showed the replay of the referee yellow carding him and then red carding him, and the commentators were still saying, it's a straight red card. Well, I, think, I, I thought what they were saying was that it should have been a straight red. Yeah. I mean, like, that's I mean red. so he's been, he's been done with two matches suspension, so it's oh, two the matches, same. Yeah, it's two matches. And then after that, deal went over, and I believe, again, my view wasn't the greatest, but he went to some of the journalists on the pitch side or the camera and said, like, there was a penalty like what's going on and then yeah. kind of baited the Boca fans before finally leaving <laughs> the field yeah he, he pointed to his chest and then showed one finger like saying I'm, I'm the number one that, that was like the, the meaning of that the gesture and also he put together the five fingers and moved it repeatedly <laughs> and we're trying to get a video of what Seba just uh, <laughs> demonstrated to us so that you can all understand how would you explain it like squeezing uh, a sack or something I don't know what he does <laughs> it means it, it, it means that uh, he gestured to the Boca fans saying like you are cowards like you're doing this because uh, well you're robbing us because we would have beaten you that, that's the what, what he implies with almost looks like a, a hungry chicken eating grain but upside <laughs> down, upside down yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, we like we, we took yeah. that from the Italians. You know, we like to speak yeah. with our hands. I, I was going to say, is, is that something that uh, is frequently done in Colombia? Because I've always thought of it as an Argentine hand gesture. When I, I'm I not, think I'm that's pretty expressive. Yeah. Probably pretty good. Yeah. 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 They're picking some things yeah. up, even if he's not picking up that you don't say pitala. <laughs> but anyway, if we get back on topic, basically, Teo is a moron. Well, yeah. Not as much as the Estudiantes. No, better than the Estudiantes, better yeah. rather. Well, <laughs> it's not. It's not it's crazy. I think there are many, many angles to, to talk about this, because yeah. the first thing you have to remember is that he, after, after Colombia and Argentina, a game mm. in which he didn't play, but he was called up for the Colombian national team, he took longer than all the other players to return. Yeah, he and said it was because of paperwork, his family yeah. couldn't return, this yeah. kind of thing. And so he arrived... Right, right before the game, like one one day before the game, and Simeone, who is very strict, who is very disciplined, and who always thinks the the, the squad and the and the group should come first, should come before any individual, he decided to play him, and with that he upset the rest of the mm. team. And yeah, well, already were not entirely enamoured of Teo for a couple of his previous records this season this well there's been a couple of yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it was forever records because I don't know if he's been sent off yeah he was sent yeah, off yeah. Uh, who was he sent off was it against Arsenal or All Boys well possibly he, yeah. he's not the first red card he yeah. saw for Racing but, the, the but it's more to do with what he's said to the press and kind no, of and also, himself up also in the against the, other teams and, no, but also in the previous round of qualifiers, the double fixtures, he was with uh, Colombia, he was mm-hmm. involved, yeah. and then he refused to travel to San Juan, he, th- he said he, he had, had a fever, fever and, and, well, he, and he decided not to travel with the team to San Juan, that didn't, uh, that didn't go, go down well with yeah, the, so the rest of the team. So Basically we can say kind of the feeling within the uh, Racing squad is that Teo's only out for himself, yeah. he's not a team player, he's... And you have a personal glory, which yeah. you can probably say, you know, as much as I like him as a player, you can't really, really disagree with him. Yeah, so this whole thing has been building up during the week and then weeks yeah. prior and it just exploded at that moment. And now there's even talk of him not playing again for Racing. Yeah, because um, right after the, the game, in which I think the, the biggest loser not, not, was not only Teo, not only Racing, but also Simeone, because mm. now how can he look straight to the face of all the other players? Like... What is the example he said? Like a player w- wouldn't train for for the entire week ahead of the most important game of, of, of the mm. season, and I think in a way he's the biggest loser because of, he lost the dressing room, you could say. But uh, in, in, if you look at it, if you look at it the other way, nobody is talking about his poor tactical approach to the game and that's, how that's which is the real key you know yeah. with, with just as they have all season they, yeah. they back themselves into a corner they don't go out to win they play a very safety first game again you can say the best player for Racing was uh, Saka the goalkeeper definitely, definitely. Yeah. it was really strange yeah I mean, we kind of expected from Simeone but they, Racing really really had to win this game yeah. to get within five of they Boca. just didn't go out like that no uh, very conservative Boca had yeah. the best of the chances a couple yeah. of breakaways from Racing but that was it and I think one commentator I was, re- I was reading today in the newspaper basically summed it up 
that game, which we should mention was, apart from the red cards, was a pretty awful game from mm. both sides. Basically su- summed up by saying uh, Boca couldn't win, Racing didn't want to win. Mm. Which is, yeah. yeah. Simeone kind of blame it on the fact that Racing went down to 10 men right at the start of the second half mm-hmm. and he was a very important player and he Simeone said that, that he was, was planning yeah, yeah. yeah. and, uh, and, and, and Simeone said that he was thinking of making a couple of really offensive substitutions for the last 15-20 minutes and then the Teo red card uh, came along and, and, and he took off Shio yeah, <laughs> well, so um, but it, it got a, a bit a bit more interesting afterwards because on Monday Theo uh, went on one of the most popular TV shows, which is a TV and radio show at the same time, and he said a lot of bad things about the, his teammates, the, the manager. It was like him saying goodbye and saying, "Look, I don't care about Racing. It's, it's gone. It's, it's over. I, I only care about <laughs> what I do, yeah. and I I did no wrong." And all the other, all my teammates should have supported me and said it was a penalty. But then they were talking about other stuff, and the, the, the I, manager too. I prefer the the previous coach who was thought to Simeone. I mean, what kind of thing is that yeah. to say? If you expect to stay at the club, obviously not. <laughs> and I heard a rumor before coming here that he was already on a plane going to Colombia with his family, and he was not coming back. And another rumor is that he's already sell, sold to a, to a Spanish team, which was wasn't revealed and. Uh, I think I think you, Teo wasted a fantastic chance to go down as one of the idols or one of the best yeah. strikers in the history of Racing because he undoubtedly, undoubtedly he's got the ability but mm. his his head is not in the right place. And funnily enough, be it coincidence or whatever, it all seemed to go downhill for him mm. almost the moment that. Giovanni Moreno came back in the team. Yeah. No, but I think that's another point. And, and they I think didn't, they've never seemed to click on the field as we hoped they would. But, but, but I think that part of the reason, or the, big, the biggest reason, is uh, Simeone's uh, yeah. approach to him. I think, I think if you give Simeone the chance to build up a, a squad from scratch, he wouldn't count on Giovanni Moreno. And Racing no. fans and neutral fans would pay some money or we'll pay the ticket just to watch Gio because he's amazing he's brilliant but he makes Gio track back defend uh, get tired uh, doing stuff he shouldn't and then when he's got to do the things he really has to do he can't because he's exhausted and he has no company he has nobody to play the ball yeah, it's, it's like, deep it's like asking Riquelme or something to track back to the halfway line exactly. to tackle it's not exactly. going to happen but if you put him 20 metres away from goal asking to thread the there was of course another team on the pitch as well um, and they were also affected to some extent Nicolas Blandi um, has picked up another injury so Boca are very rapidly running out of strikers as they go in towards the end of the season but it's not seeming to matter because as as Zolé put it a couple of weeks ago after Boca drew um, and then their, their opponents all failed to win as well Boca win even when they draw uh, Lanús last night, Monday night, lost at home to Arsenal, uh, which means that there's really nobody now. Racing is still second, uh, eight points behind. Eight points. Still eight points behind with twelve to play for, which means that Boca can almost. Well, actually, no, they can wrap up the league this this weekend, can't they? If, if yeah. they win and uh, Racing and Lanús and all the others but, fail. Too. Uh, no, although they've got um, Vélez just behind on nine points, so if. Yeah, they could clinch the league this uh, yeah, next round, yeah. but they will have to wait until Monday because Union will play on Monday. And so even if they win and all the other results uh-huh. before their game go their way, mm-hmm. they still wouldn't be able to celebrate because Union had to play the right. following day. Yeah. And if Union and if Union lose uh, that game, Boca will be champions. Yeah. And, and also, the, <laughs> the other thing with, uh, for Boca in terms of that, how difficult that, that could be this weekend is that they're, um, they're, they're playing away to Godoy Cruz, who, although they're only mid-table, are actually the best team in the league on, on home form. Well, level with, with Boca. Boca are, have, have three more points than them at home, but that's because they've played one more game than them. So I don't think that's going to be necessarily an easy win for Boca, particularly without any strikers. Mm-hmm. Well, Dario Spidanic, maybe, if he gets back to fitness in time. But yeah, Boca 
closing in on, on that league title slowly but surely and I'd be quite confident that they're going to win it even if I wasn't going to predict them to win another match all season I think they'll be able to just grind out four yeah, more draws and get over the line somehow <laughs> especially with everybody else slipping up it's so yeah. tough to score on Boca I mean, I mean yeah. three goals in the in the previous 15 games I mean that's it's that's brilliant no and even, even when you're watching these games like you can see that it's really really hard to break these guys down not just a lot of credit's been given to Skiawi who's, who's come back but uh, the other the other guys as well Roncaili and uh, who's the other one Sandra Bullock and in and I'm further forward as well. Samosa in midfield, I thought was really good. Yeah, yeah Samosa has been great. Vegetable. Yeah, Leandro vegetable Samosa, as I've started calling <laughs> that, uh, which Sam needed explaining to him. <laughs> and then, but there's another point. Uh, there's a historical debate in the media and among fans, and they say, um, "Yeah, Boca, they, they win, but they don't play well. Like they, they just no juegan bien." But what is what is to but, but what is to play well? I mean, yeah. they play well because they set out to do something. Well, and they, but they they set out to do something, and they are very very successful at that. And, and the other One thing is, thing they, is to play got, at the moment. They've got some really key players. They've got the Atri, Riquelme, and now Blandi injured, who make up a vital part of their attack. Yeah. And the fact that they can continue to get these results, continue to grind down the opposition, and continue to do what they need to do, regardless, With. shows that they are. Uh, Even with Marcia in the team, it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a talent in itself, really. That was a, huh. Yeah, amazing. They had a really good chance at, in the last minute, I think mm. it was, with Marcia bearing down on the keeper with Colasso beside him. And instead of passing to Colasso for a certain goal, Marcia, of course, made the wrong decision, went for a <laughs> soft shot and easily saved by the keeper. Yeah, but the worst was in the mix zone afterwards. He said, um, they, they, they asked him, if if it happens again, what will you do? Will you pass it next time? And he said, No, no, no. What can I can I not miss uh, a goal opportunity? Uh, I will try it again. I hit it harder. What an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> but but to the point I was making, I think there is a confusion between playing well and playing beautifully. And yeah, of course, both are like sides of football. Exactly. Yeah. They're, not, they're not sexy. They're not they're not easy on the eye. But they play well, and I mean, there is impossible a team will go a whole tournament undefeated and if, like 10, 10, 10 games before that in the previous season closing also undefeated. Like, they, they, they really play well because they yeah. do what they had to do and they do it well. Yeah, it would be fantastic if everybody in the Argentine league played like Godoy Cruz do and mm. ended up with a record of played 15, scored 24, conceded 20. Uh, but Godoy Cruz are not close to the top of the league for a reason, much as I, I love them. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a talent in itself, as we've already said. Um, other results from the weekend, less less important, obviously, in terms of the we title. Had, um, and more than the results, I think, what happens off the pitch as well uh, um, with San Lorenzo. We could talk mm-hmm. about the result they lost at home to Union, yeah. one nil. But the consequences of that were were terrible, and, and it seems to there seem to be a in a spiral that they're really going down it seems like they're going down I mean one interesting thing I thought was that Jonathan Martinelli played again after we speculated that he might have played his last game for the club against all boys in that postponed match when he scored the own goal Um, the match of course having been postponed because he got himself punched in the face at a training session by a Barra brother mm. um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no no I mean he himself got punched in, not yes. he got yeah um, <laughs> anyway he might as well have punched yeah. himself in the face while so, so that was interesting and of course the other point was that Omar Assad afterwards mm. uh, resigned was asked to resign by the board was fired one, one of the three but the way they always say it in the Argentine press is he's no longer coach or something they never say yeah. he quit or he was yeah. fired because it, it seems to be something in between like he, he's basically well, left his board accepted his reckon yeah, yeah basically we make it look like an accident we make it look like an accident yeah no I, I in a way I think deep down Assad is pleased that he's out of there no doubt he couldn't have enjoyed himself for the last two three months and I think that that's Kind of summed up as well by the fact that supposedly they've already had uh, at least one big name manager turn them down uh, since he left. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got others obviously in mind. Um, yeah. now, now, now they have confirmed that they're going to go with uh, O. Carol, Leandro Carol, that's the, his second name, the middle, middle name, Leandro Carol Madelon, who used to play for San Lorenzo, and I, and I remember watching him play in the 80s. I feel old. I, I am, <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, 
he hasn't been successful with gimnasia no, Rosario for, Central Rosario Central, Central yeah. yeah and yeah, Rosario Central fans used to sing this uh, oh Carol Carol Madelon because that's <laughs> middle name one of the most funny or the funniest um, names in football and <laughs> it is tell me another guy who's named Carol Kowalski uh, that's Karen, Karen, Karen. It's a subtle difference. No, but he's going to have a really tough job ahead. So I think if we can make the comparison, I mean, we probably made the point going into the season that San Lorenzo started in a very similar position to River. But the difference is at this point, you know, River finished what? Third or fourth in the Apertura? Sixth and yeah, fourth in the Apertura, I'm saying, yeah. And they were kind of on a high and they didn't quite make it, but they were in a worse position. But San Lorenzo, in comparison, were just in absolute freefall. The directors are fighting, the fans are fighting, the players are fighting. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, looks like they're absolutely... And, and the other thing that they've got is that they're currently uh, in the upper of the two relegation playoff places. Mm-hmm. The team immediately below them are Olimpo, who's, yeah. whose manager has also changed, which we'll get on to perhaps briefly in, in a couple of minutes. But on Limpo's matches are being divided yeah. by fewer points and Tigre are storming. Tigre, yeah. in fact, are one of the teams who are now joint second or, or mm-hmm. joint third, Just joint third um, yeah. in, in the table. They're having a fantastic season and we all said at the beginning of the season that it was going to be impossible for Tigre to stay up and the way, the way they're playing, if they have a clausura and, and a finish of the apertura that's as good as these first 15 games have, have mm-hmm. been, they can get at least a relegation playoff place and not go down automatically. And the way San Lorenzo are going, Tigre are going to be a real threat. And San Lorenzo as well are a long way adrift of Newell's old boys at the moment in the relegation table, mm-hmm. who are the next side who, who've, who are having their points divided by as many matches. <laughs> I think, it's really I complicated think, to try and work this out without having it. I think, uh, seriously speaking, I think the only solution for San Lorenzo is to call up the king of Mordor, Aragorn, who is a San Lorenzo ah, fan. Yeah. Yeah, Vigo Mordensen. <laughs> he's bringing him in as coach. As coach. Yeah, as player. Yeah, of course. Coach. <laughs> player coach. <man>. He, he, <laughs> why not? With the sword and... Yeah, he's sword. Oh, yeah. well, he's, he's got the power to do Or maybe Tine- considering yeah, Aragorn and Tinelli up front. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Considering some of the things he did in the Lord of the Rings films, he couldn't be too afraid of going to Bajo Flores either. It's, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not exciting yeah, enough, scary. The two... Yeah. Seem, yeah, they look pretty similar. I bet it's just. I think that's honestly their only way of nothing. Colon, colon out. For those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, he's, he's quite a famous San Lorenzo fan. Oh, Vigo, yeah, he, he lived here, he, he spent his childhood in, Argent- in Argentina, and he was a big San Lorenzo fan. And I think since then, since he's got rich, he's also put quite a lot of money back into the club. He's mm. brought various different things mm. for the youth teams and that, yeah. You interviewed him, hmm? you interviewed him, didn't you? I, I did, for, for, for two, uh, yeah. like two years ago or, mm. or more. Yeah, it's a funny story, funny guy. And yeah, he, he, comes, he comes here. Yeah. Yeah. He's a regular visitor, yeah. All the time to watch San Lorenzo we play. Should, we should try and get him on hand the pod sometime. Yeah. 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 If, yeah. if anyone's got contact with uh, Aragon, that's a good idea. Yeah. Even just to say our little introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other manager, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, who, who's lost his job is Omar de Felipe. Uh, as we were reminded by, by Seba before starting to record, a, a veteran of the Falklands War, um, who, although Seba did not, of course, use the word Falklands, <laughs> who, um, who was a manager of Olimpo de Bahia Blanca and, and had done, I think, really well for you know the couple of years before. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, is is having a really bad season now. Uh, I'm unsure really quite what to say about him. Well, I don't think there was any argument. They've just been losing too many games. They're getting yeah. closer and closer to the relegation placings. I think. I think they've lost sooner or later, eight yeah. or nine games or something ridiculous. Sooner or later, he was gonna he was gonna get the boot. So yeah. yeah. And now they put in place of the Felipe. They they went for Mauro Laspada, who used to play as a defender for. Olimpo and he totally was one of the tougher, yeah. the toughest yeah. motherfuckers around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was t- bald head and he yeah. was terrible. He, he didn't want to it, go there. Who would you back in a fight between him and Aragon? Scabby. If he's in the Bombonera, he will get away from getting his eyes. Yeah. Yeah. He will kill them without getting a yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Bombonera special. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so La, La Spada is, uh, is going to be in charge at least until the end of the year, is the way that the, the Olympod directors have put it. They're, they're not committing themselves to any longer than that, so we'll call them a caretaker for the moment. Um, any other results worth mentioning? That's what I'm trying to oh, say. Was that, uh, uh, with a big win. Yeah, uh, of course. Vélez with a big win as well. 3-1 yeah. away to Belgrano. Independiente's win was 3-0 at home. No, away. At home. To Olimpo, which is the end of the stadium. didn't have any fans. And it was the... That's another big story that happened in Argentina since the last episode. And it was the... The death of uh, Diego Maradona's ah, mother, of course, yeah. and it happened. Well, the news broke right uh, at the moment in which Independiente were, were playing Olimpo, and right before the start of the second half, there was a minute's uh, silence, and, and uh, it was well respected by the whole. Uh, it's because the stadium's always stadium. silent. <laughs> what difference does that mean? <laughs> Uh, I, was, uh, I went to uh, Argentinos Godoy Cruz on the weekend. That's my first time out to Argentinos Stadium. No, of course you did. Not much to say about the game. Argentinos won one nil, which was quite surprising. I was with a, a tour group or a couple of Australians actually, and uh, I told them how how good Godoy Cruz were and attacking football <laughs> and stuff. And yeah, they ended up losing one uh, nil to Argentinos. But uh, no, apart, not much to say about the game. It was a very different atmosphere to a lot of the grounds around. Extremely relaxed, as in. Everyone's at a bar around the corner from the game just before kickoff, and then like five minutes before kickoff, people walk up by their tickets, wondering like, yeah, like buying tickets is not a problem. Just walk straight up and and. And it's funny that stadium because you don't feel there is a football stadium over there. Like, no, it's like it's tucked just away in a couple of regular blocks in <laughs> then this little, little yeah, piece it's of stadium in yeah. a neighborhood, and then you see okay, there's a door here. Well, okay. that's the ground and and I really like it because you've got that goal which as uh, people watching on internet streams or on TV will have noticed the goal off to the right of the TV camera has sort of trees behind it and I've actually been asked a couple of times on Twitter you know there's there's a park or something behind the stadium right and it's like no no there's there's a street immediately but those those trees are lining the street behind that goal Mm. and the trees were planted there essentially to stop the balls going over (laughs) into the street all the time which I think is brilliant Um, I think the funniest one if we're talking about these kind of little neighbourhood stadiums is the All Boys one, who don't... Popular is Yeah, the Popular, who they, yeah, they don't exactly. actually have enough room to put a proper stand behind one of the goals, because there's a factory there, I believe. So they've just got a kind of... The stand can only hold 50, 60 people at most, <laughs> and it only ever has about eight people in, as far as I see. So right behind the goal, and if All Boys score down there, it's hilarious. <laughs> All Boys are going to be in action tomorrow in the Copa Argentina, which is the other thing that we should... Just make a passing mention too, as we try to each week. Uh, the the 32ths of final are starting. <laughs> the, the last 64 start today. In fact, they've already started um, <coughs> with Aldo Civi against Independiente Rivadavia. We don't know the score because it was, it's being played at the moment. Um, and the the Primera clubs come into it on Wednesday. Uh, all boys against Atlanta, the big Clásico in in Oracan Stadium here in Buenos Aires. Uh, San Lorenzo versus who did you say? Villa Dalmine. Yes, well then we'll remember that Independiente have somebody or other in Catamarca. Um, mm. Colegiales. Yes, well done. Uh, so those are the, the Primera Copa Argentina matches for, for this week. Um, it's going to be interesting with San Lorenzo, it could be a giant killing right away. Like, well, I think the other thing is Independiente is sending a reserve team and almost mm. they, they might, they're debating playing either Gabarini. Or uh, or Asman, no, not Asman. He's injured, isn't he? The, the other first Hilario. goalkeeper. Hilario. Thank you. Yeah. Um, who, who obviously Independiente. One thing we've said about them before is they've got three really good keepers, but they're debating which are the, the two fit ones to play. Uh, but they're expecting to play ten reserves outfield. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it, a lot of the big clubs are going to be doing I think this. We'll the I think we're going to get a chance at least in this the, first round. The yeah. gap, the gap is incredible. Yeah. It's really massive. I, yeah. But I, I do think that's going to lead to at least a couple of yeah. potential upsets especially well, I, the yeah. form that some of them are I mean San Lorenzo as you, yeah. as you say so although saying that I'd be very surprised if um, always put reserves out against Atlanta no <laughs> yeah of course no they don't want to lose that one Barrientos no. that's, be very a much pretty, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty spicy rivalry right there yeah. mm, I was considering trying to, to head down there actually but I'm going to be unable to unfortunately I've got other commitments tomorrow evening um, but yeah it would have been fantastic fun um I'm just looking at my watch and trying to work out how long we've been recording for with that gap. Uh, I'm wondering whether it's worth mentioning 
River Plate's moment of history nah. this this weekend just gone their first ever competitive game in Patagonia I just <laughs> have done <laughs> I, I mentioned it principally because I thought it was they won 4-1 away to Guillermo Brown but in the build up to the match Ole on their website said that it was uh, I can't remember whether it, it was Ole saying it themselves or whether somebody from from Brown or from uh, the Puerto Madryn town authorities or something was saying it to the paper that it was the uh, greatest sporting moment in, in the history of Patagonia or something in spite of the fact that Boca have played there before and also the Argentine national rugby team have played yeah. matches in Patagonia before and yet apparently this obviously it's a competitive game and it's the first one that, that uh, I think probably any of the big five have played in Patagonia before in competitive terms so there's, there's something to it maybe but I still found it a slightly uh, hyperbolic quote potentially um, Fernando Cabernacchi got another hat trick I think he's going to score a bloody hell, that's a big cockroach. Jesus Christ. We're going to... uh, It's a long one. (laughs) Australian Dan is now going to to kill the biggest cockroach I've ever seen. There's a tiny one in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got away. Okay, we're all going to lift our feet off the floor now and and try and record the rest of this whilst searching on our Yeah. And then it will be time for questions. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Kavanaki is in serious danger of breaking some kind of Patrick scoring record this season if he keeps going like he is. He's got, what, three in his last four matches or something ridiculous? Yeah, only if, if only he did it in a relevant league. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Should we compare his numbers to, to Messi, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's fairly equivalent levels. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's by far the most apt comparison. I don't good. think I don't think Messi's ever done it on a cold night in Patagonia. <laughs> no, <absolutely. laughs> or even a warm what night. Sex? <laughs> what sex? Well, ah, uh, I'm sure he's had sex down there. Yeah. He goes on holiday, you know that. <laughs> Went to the glacier, you know. <laughs> yeah, sex anyway, Messi. Yeah. Dan, Dan now has the enormous cockroach. Scraped into several bits and, and put in the bed. He's actually put a lead around it and he's going to take it for a walk later. That was, gen- that was really massive. I'm going to nail it to the wall as a message to the other cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Crucify it or something. Yeah. Do be warned, they are cannibalistic, so you'll probably get more of them coming yeah. to, to eat it if you do. Uh, I'm going to tell Katie about that later because she thinks the ones in our flat are big and they're not, they're tiny. Uh, anyway. <laughs> If we sound stunned, it's because I am, at least. Um, I'm sure the other three, having been here longer than me, have all seen ones that size before, but it's by far the biggest I've ever seen, as the from Milway said to the person. <laughs> on which note... <laughs> on which note, I'm now going to play Mystic Dance theme music. Oh, shit, then do it. <laughs> Sounds like he's forgotten to make his predictions. Um, so he's going to divine from some of these coffee beans floating around in the back in the bottom of his mug what the weekend score is going to be. Don't go away. Mystic Dan is going to do these predictions live for the first time ever. Take it away. Alright, so we've got uh, Tigre will win at home to Rafaela. Uh, All Boys Lanús draw. Newells will beat San Lorenzo at home. Uh, Racing will beat Belgrano. Olimpo will beat San Martín de San Juan. Arsenal, Estudiantes will draw. Um, Vélez Colón will draw. Boca will win away to Godoy Cruz. Banfield will beat Argentinos and Union Independiente draw. Excellent, wonderful. Any particularly interesting looking ones there? I'm going to quickly pick um, up the shop. Well, we've got Boca Godo Cruz, which I think is going to be. Of course, yes. we mentioned it could yeah, be the game mentioned. where Boca, what were we saying? Not officially, officially, but for yeah. all intents and purposes, will be champions. Tigre and Rafaela could be quite decent. Yeah, it could be entertaining. Kind of each, each team goes for it. Rafael plays yeah. slightly better football. Like you said, always Lanús is probably one worth watching. All boys games are always entertaining. Lanús, as we said before, are a good team to watch. Mm. I think the Racing and Independiente games might be quite interesting because the two are six points off Gordo Cruz at the moment in the race for the Libertadores. So if either of them gets a victory and Gordo Cruz loses to Boca, then it'll be cut down to three points, which could be could make for a very interesting last three games. Can Racing still qualify for the Libertadores? Yeah, if they yeah, overtake Godot Cruz, yeah. Because they can, but they won't. Venice, Bunker, Lanús are all in, and Arsenal. And then Godot Cruz are in their last place. 
six months ahead of Racing and Independiente. Right. If Independiente goes through, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> My pick for this round is Newell's and San Lorenzo because both clubs are in mm, a real crisis, crisis yeah. and it's it's kind of what, like in Spain uh, they say it's got a lot of morbo. Morbo yeah. is like like. Uh, yeah. Kind of like a morbid curiosity, with exactly, say. yeah. Like watching a I'm car cu- crash or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm curious about that. Uh, yeah. Which team is gonna get out of uh, of their funk and, and, yeah. and maybe we'll, we'll get a draw? It's kind of yeah. It's kind of got the same curiosity as watching two homeless people fight over a scrap of meat for them. I loved it, yeah. and it's, it, it wasn't as terrible as your last attempt at the crema joke. Well, you know, we haven't had one for a while. Does that? We haven't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Tiger, we got tiger and cream. Come on, you guys, you guys work it out. Well, tiger's got big cats. If tiger so. win, obviously the cat will have the cat will get the cream. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Oh. We haven't used that actually. He's been used. Yeah. Well done. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, I don't know what we say. <laughs> And I think I went for a draw between um, San Lorenzo and, and Newell's just because neither of them are good enough to win it. <laughs> I can't see it. They're both perfectly bad enough to lose it, but I don't think either side is good enough to take the opportunities that, that the other's gonna, going to give them. Yeah, and also uh, an interesting thing uh, will be for Madelon making his debut as San Lorenzo manager. Will he be installed by that point? Do you think? I think so. He's, yeah. he's, he's been confirmed pretty much. Okay. And he's got a history with Rosario Central and he's going to of play course, with Newell. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. For he's, going to get, he's going to get an ovation from Newell's right <laughs> Very friendly rivalry in, in Rosario. I'm saying he's, he's the one that took Central down. He's a hero there. Oh, uh, yeah. right. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to, to talk about. It's been quite a, con- considering we had a 20 minute break in the middle of it, unplanned, it's been quite a short um, recording. For our listeners, maybe, yeah. for us, not <laughs> No, well, hopefully it will be short for our listeners rather than long and, and dull and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, we began, we've been getting a few questions, maybe we can. Oh, God, that's right, yes, I've got one of them sitting right here in front of me. Thank you, Stella. No worries. Um, that's why you paid me for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, the question that I got at least, um, was from Scott M 87 on Twitter, uh, who wants to know, and it is a, a kind of a good question, we, we, we've discussed the answer obviously before coming on air, um, but it's a good point that he raises, which is that Herman Denis, the former Independiente striker who's now with Atalanta in Italy, is in brilliant form this season, um, and he's wondering how soon it's going to be before he, he gets called up by, uh, by Argentina. And Seb, I think you put it really well. Mm. Your response before we started recording. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very much. I compare him with Julio Cruz, and because he's behind Iwain, Aguero, mm. and a number of excellent strikers, and he's very unfortunate to have been to have been born in Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> and there are others that are coming back from injury, yeah. like Lisandro Lopez, who could be be behind uh, or before him in the pecking order. And well, Dennis was already called up if by Sabella. He was part of the squad for the last couple of World Cup qualifiers, but of course he didn't see any action. Um, but the reason why I compare him with Julio Cruz is that um, Julio Cruz was always uh, called up and he very rarely played. And the only time I remember him playing was in, 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 in the World Cup quarterfinals. In the quarterfinals against Germany, when Beckerman sent him on instead of sending Messi on. And <laughs> I still, I, I still, I have nothing against Julio Cruz, but I, I still remember that and not very fondly. <laughs> right, he took off Riquelme, brought on Cambiaso. I uh, brought on Cambiaso for Riquelme and, and Cruz for Crespo. Jesus. One more need, yeah. Uh, and still we remember Pekaman very fondly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, that is correct. That is Any correct. other questions? I do have a, a question from Joseph Sexton. He wanted to know how we saw or how we see the media and how biased the media are towards Boca and River. Oof. And maybe, maybe you should go first and give him your impressions as newcomers or... In my opinion, very mm. massively uh, so. I, I wondered whether, actually, because I saw him asking you this as well yesterday, said on Twitter, mm. and I wanted to, to ask you, um, the impression I get of it, and I don't know whether it's because I'm a River fan, and so I just find it slightly less irritating, although I do find it annoying that mm. they you know, go so much for River as well, but it's also something that Rupert Fryer 
Um, no, hang on, not Rupert Price. Somebody who was in the press box for a Super Classico last season mentioned that when Boca scored, far more of the press box seemed to celebrate than than for for River goals. Yeah. Uh, like the vast majority of the press box celebrated Boca's goal. And the sense I get is almost that they include lots. You know, it's basically a fifty-fifty split between the two clubs because obviously they know River are going to sell as much. But there seem to be more journalists who are actually. You know, verging on fanatical supporters of Boca than there are. Obviously, there are lots who are River supporters, but the, the Boca ones seem more numerous or visible or what. I, I don't think know. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's definitely the impression I get. Uh, as you say, absolutely correctly, River get a lot of cover, a lot of coverage, yeah, all the news that comes out there. But sometimes I think I hear kind of Boca commentaries on on you know live commentaries and watching the games and. Almost seems like they got another fan. Like every chance for Bockers, yeah, yeah. gets a big, ooh, ah, you know, they're they're almost just like cheering them on. It's well, amazing. Contrast, Chapa Fox, and I make no apologies for this. No, it's, <laughs> it is his surname. Gets abuse on Twitter from Rivers fans. He's he's the guy who's been put in charge of for TV Publica, commentating on on Rivers matches for this season in in the second division. And everybody keeps messaging him saying, "Why did they let you in charge? You clearly hate the club." And that's not he's something. A, he's not a, an accusation you could level at, at the commentators put in charge of Bocker's games. No, but uh, in Even this case, I think it's ridiculous. No, and in this case, well. it's, it's not like he's a Boca fan because mm. he's an Independiente fan and he's a socio and everything. It's like very, <laughs> very um, outspoken about Independiente. And he, he's. He's not hiding it, and it's, it's very evident. And I personally don't like him because, of course, of course, he be, he being such a fan of Independiente, always has uh, bad things to say about Racing and Racing players. But that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my my take on things are, are on this is um, was evident on, on on Sunday. I was watching uh, the game on TV. And I'd be interested. What did the commentator say about that incident? Was it a penalty? Did well, that was a they never, they never they never they never uh, That was a point I was going to make to, to give it, give it as, a, as an example. Not not during the game and not during the week no. did I hear anyone say that they thought it was a penalty. No. Even though, like the four of us said, probably was a, was a penalty or probably was a penalty. Not one commentator no. or, or all I kind of heard was, yeah, if it was a penalty or not, that's neither here nor there. It's not a penalty, he didn't touch the ball, he, he tripped over into the goalkeeper, not a penalty, and then started talking about... Yeah, they could be entitled to, to that uh, yeah, opinion, I mean, think but, but it was pretty evident, and they, evident that they wanted to avoid talking about that, and they they made all the focus on, mm-hmm. on Theo and how badly he was yeah. behaving, and there was like an editorial afterwards, they were showing... Uh, the, the incident in slow motion and Araujo was the, the, the head of the Fútbol para Todos, the, the, the commentary team. Commentary team. Uh, he was going on and on and on about how yeah. bad example Teo was, which is true, but it would have been nice for him to discuss a little bit about the football, mm-hmm. about what really happened. And Seriously, if that was given a penalty, it would have completely changed the, yeah, the course, course of the championship. Yeah. So, yeah. And Araujo, for those who watch on, on streams, when I, for instance, put up links on Twitter, Araujo is, is the guy who looks a little bit like one of the creatures from Spirited Away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the, looks, he's looks the, like Gargamel, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the bad guy for, uh, in the Smurfs. Gargamel. As someone who's like completely neutral when it comes to the first division, I, I find it annoying. And it's only, like I've got nothing against Boca whatsoever, but... It gets to the stage where there's so much pro Boca mm. bias that you get to the stage where you're almost hoping that I don't know you feel like saying the opposite because or you know finding criticisms of Boca because nobody else is is saying anything. So they, yeah. I guess it's something that possibly happens in I guess it doesn't happen to the same extent in England or whatever. But no. you get a lot of people. I hear a lot of people complaining about well Manchester pro Manchester bias, United bias. Or, I, I, I think that's yeah. that. That would be more stuff like. Um, match of the day match orders and stuff that mm. people just complain that they're given too much visibility rather than bias towards them as such yeah. then again as as we all know like th- those two teams make up 70% of the fans yeah, you know, yeah it's logical they're yeah. going to get a lot of coverage as you know the biggest yeah, teams yeah. in every country do mm. but no, it has uh, to be sort of balanced you know I think a, a good example of what we're saying happened during the game I was watching and following on Twitter and one guy who's very clever very funny too Ernesto but he always uh, tweets in Spanish so I, I don't I don't know uh, if it would be worth it for you to follow him but he said 
it appears to be technical difficulties whenever there is a dangerous uh, <laughs> or a contro controversial call against Racing. But probably they're working on it, or not. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the play in question was a counter-attack for Racing, and the, there was a ball coming uh, over the top of uh, Clemente Rodriguez's uh, head, and apparently he handballed it. And the two Racing players were clear on goal. They were going for a clear scoring opportunity, and they were all pointing at the referee, claiming for the handball. You could you could hear the Racing fans shouting, and we never saw a replay of that. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> that same action ended in the first yellow for Pelletieri. It could sound like I'm a bit bitter, but you, you wouldn't see such a thing if it was a handball. Uh, from a Racing player in this case and, or going against Boca it's like it's a bit dodgy to, to yeah I think that's infuriating. that's fair to say absolutely um, on which note I think we can leave it for now uh, thank you all for listening again thank you guys for being here we'll be back at the same time and place well okay no, we won't be in the same place next week probably we'll <laughs> probably be in English dance instead um, but we'll be back at the same time from our listeners point of view next week roughly or on the same day it's uh, <laughs> goodbye from I've made a hell of a hash wrapping that up neatly didn't I it's goodbye from uh, Australian Dan bye bye goodbye that from that was very Woody Allen-esque actually thank you <laughs> <laughs> goodbye from Seba valeo <laughs> goodbye from English Dan who's just attempted to throw a lighter at Seba farewell <laughs> and goodbye from me goodbye everyone